for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified livecast. I'm your host, Tom Quart, and we are back at it again with another amazing podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Kieran Lancini. How's it going today, Kieran? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Excited. Absolutely. I'm, we're really excited to have you here. You know, Rachel said a lot of good things about you. She, she's the one that originally set this up, so I'm really excited to sit down and uh, get to know you a little bit. So awesome. you, you got some new music that dropped yesterday, because I know that was uh, the big thing that she wanted us to push. But uh, before we jump into all that fun stuff, tell everybody that maybe isn't really familiar with you a little bit about yourself, what got you into music, you know, st- kind of like your origin story, so to speak, if you're into the books. Story. Okay. Um, I'm originally Australian. Um, I was born in a little cane farming town in North Queensland uh, called Halifax, uh, a very, very small kind of place. And there wasn't much to do. Uh, there so I was just kind of enthralled with music and film and TV and like while all the other kids were out playing I'd be just listening to my brothers and my mom's records and uh, just being just addicted to TV and I've always sort of had a dream of being in a kind of a job in the entertainment industry when I was growing up but I mean it was such a small town where I grew up there was only four of us in my class and 28 kids in my whole school so it was um Quite, quite an unbelievable kind of upbringing and, you know, looking back at it now, so amazing. Um, so I've always, you know, ever since very young, wanted to perform and uh, because I grew up in the 80s, uh, lip syncing was a big thing in, in Australia. So uh, little young kids would just, it was kind of like the before, the, after the voguing kind of thing, lip syncing with little young kids would just do it These at the town festivals and stuff. So um, I started doing that and a lady who um, saw me asked me to sing in this local competition. It was like, it was called Maraca, Maraca and we were called Maracarets and Maraca is an Aboriginal word for concert, I think. Mm-hmm. So we'd do that every year. And then I started singing and getting my kind of um, sort of groundwork of performing and these Maraca concerts, which was so much fun. Um, and then, yeah, it just sort of developed into going to a Stedford's when I was a kid and then discovered country music and when I was 16 because uh, there was a lot of country music festivals going on in Australia, one every couple of months or one every month actually all around the country. And my, my folks, bless them, would drive me around and, you know, we'd go to these amazing sort of little communities that are hosting these festivals and perform. And it was, yeah, a great kind of stomping ground, a great learning ground for me again to you know, learning to play with a band and learning to perform. And uh, yeah, that's how it all got started. And then, um, you know, I wanted to have a career in country music and I wanted to really push it. And, you know, I was, I finished school and I was like, I'm going to move to Sydney, you know, to pursue the career. And mum's like, you're not going unless you get a university degree. Uh, so I went off to university for a couple of years, still doing the country music festivals and still performing. Uh, and then, yeah, as soon as I got the, the last, the last day I handed in my assessment, my last assessment, the following day, I was driving down to Sydney uh, for the first time to kind of pursue this, this dream of music. Uh, yeah. And then if, if you're a, 
dedicated and you want a career in country music in Australia, Star Maker is the competition that you need to enter. It's a kind of a yearly competition. It's still running. It's been running for now 42 years, I think. And um, it's kind of like winners of Star Maker, it it kind of thrusts you into the national spotlight and and you kind of, you know, in in the front of the industry for industry people to know you. So it's an amazing launch pad. Uh, so I applied for it, not thinking anything of it. And I got through the first rounds and then, um, yeah, it was one of the most incredible experiences. And I remember I was like 21, I think, and ended up winning it. And, and previous winners included like Keith Urban, uh, Lee Kernigan, uh, Gina Jeffries, and a few of these other kind of amazing Australian country artists that are doing really well now. So uh yeah that was like 18 years ago though (laughs) and part of that you win a record deal you win a tour you win a car uh you kind of you know travel around and meet these amazing people and it was such an amazing experience yeah well uh so since you've kind of went through that because we've had a few different people that have like competed on like the voice american idol you know like all those different uh types of shows but never really made it that far since you actually won like and it's been a while, so I'm sure you're a little bit more free to talk about certain things. <laughs> um, what was some of the, I don't want to say misconceptions, or what were some of the realities about going on Star Maker uh, as far as, like, obligations? Like, did you mention that you won, like, a record deal? And did yeah, you have- so it was a... Yeah, I mean, looking back at it, I mean, this was before social media. This was 2002. I mean, we had the internet, but, you know, it was that modem dial-up kind of thing. So um, it, it was a little bit, it's a d- bit different back then. So uh, it was, it was, so yeah, the, the prize was you, you do two singles mm-hmm. with ABC Universal mm-hmm. music. Um, you would do a film clip. You would, it would be a pre-booked kind of experience or, or tours around the country at d- different kind of festivals. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was a, me as coming, I was, I was living in Sydney for just six months mm-hmm. when I won Star Maker. So I remember I was still very kind of young, very, very young, yeah. very kind of a very immature person living in a big city. And I, it was kind of a help that, that made me grow up very, very fast. Yeah. I mean, I was, you know, taking advice from management. I was, I had management for the first time. It was, that was a weird experience. So, um, I mean, there's a saying that if I knew then what I know now, yeah. I would have done a lot of things differently. Okay. But would then you, again, you do you think you were too young for, to, for Star Maker? I'm assuming you were probably... I was 21. 21? Yeah, no, I, was, I was 21 at that time. Um, probably. Okay. Maybe I was, yeah. Um, but it was a case of, for me, fake it till you make it. Yeah. You know, you've got these amazing opportunities if you don't... T- bite the bullet and just run with it. And if you start, you know, questioning yourself and you start worrying about this and that and the other, you're not going to succeed. So I kind of went balls deep in and was just like, let's just have fun with this. And you know, sometimes are really tough. It was, a, it was a very lonely experience. Yeah. I remember that. But then on the pop plus side, um, I, I was, you know, traveling around the country and meeting these incredible people and, uh, and these amazing experiences, but like, Kieran, you can get to write with this artist and, oh, you're now booked to record on here. And it's like, okay, this is pretty amazing. And, and again, someone who grew up in a very small cane farming community in Australia, it was just, it was an incredible eye-opening experience. That, yeah, I think it, I, look, I look back at it as one of the most fondest times of my life. Mm-hmm. 
uh, it was incredible. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, maybe you were too young. Maybe you weren't quite ready for everything that was about to get thrown at you. But if had you waited another year or two, you may not have won. Like you, Exactly. Totally. You know, so yeah. it's one of those things where it was right time, right moment. Maybe you weren't 100% mentally prepared with everything that was about to happen. Do you think it ultimately led to why you left music for so long or was that a completely different reason? I mean, I put my heart and soul into that. The, there was like four years after Star Maker where I was like, you know, writing, recording and no, it was two, it was about three years. Hmm. And, um, you know, we were in development with the, with the potential record deal and the singles did well. I went to number four in Australia at my first one and number seven. Uh, so I had number four and number seven. Uh, and then it was just, you know, I got, that was that time I got dropped from the label and I was like, okay, I'm still going to pursue this as an independent artist then. And, um, and then I was, I had this inkling to always travel. So I was 26 and I was like, if I don't go to Europe now and do the backpacker experience kind mm -hmm. of thing, I, I won't. Cause I know I'll just, you know, keep pushing. And so I needed to take some time out after, you know, investing my heart and soul into to music for so many years. And um, so I kind of left and I was like, I'm just going to go for a six month holiday to recharge the batteries and head back with a fresh new perspective, fresh new stories to write, you know, mm -hmm. all that kind of, you know, development and growth for myself. Yeah. So I landed in England and I never left. So I've been here 14 years. Oh. <laughs> Much to my parents' uh, disgust and dismay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So life just got in the way, I suppose. I think that, yeah. And then, I uh, had a whole different career over here in terms of the corporate life. And I kind of thought music was behind me kind of thing. So um, it wasn't until Star Maker tracked me down and they're like, Kieran, we want to get you back for the 40th anniversary show. Because mm -hmm. uh, they wanted everybody all the winners back. And I was like, oh God, you know, I hadn't sung, like, I, you know, I used to sing over here, but when I had a few bottles of wine in me and I did karaoke, yeah. pretend to be Bon Jovi kind of thing. But uh, going back and doing something like that after so long away, I was, yeah, I was terrified, nervous. Um, I was like, I may as well. I hadn't been home to see my folks for a couple of years, so I could kill two birds with one stone. Just, yeah, yeah go back and see them and then go to Sydney and do the show and then come back to London. And I, yeah, it, I remember that so vividly just waiting to go on stage. My mouth was dry, I was trembling. I'm like, Kim, what the hell are you doing? Like, literally, <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, but then everyone, after the performance, everyone was very, had these amazing comments and amazing uh, support. And that kind of, you know, lit the fire in me to dip my little toes back in and, and try my hand. And, and you know, I think uh, then I kind of planned last year about what I was going to do. And then COVID happened. I'm like, well, there's no better time now than to do yeah. it. So, yeah, it's kind of been a blessing in disguise kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so... Well, you've already kind of hinted at this one. You just released a new single yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I Need You, which that's a uh, Leanne Rimes cover, correct? No, no. I love that Leanne Rimes song, though. That's a great one. Um, no, this one I wrote myself. I've been quite fortunate to write all the songs I've released so far, which is I've always wanted to do. I've always... I never saw myself as a songwriter, but yeah, every kind of song I've released is, is kind of one that I've written with either co-writes. Um, this one has actually got a funny story. Um, okay. uh, when I won Star Maker, my manager at the time, who was also Keith Urban's manager, set me up with this guy uh, called Phil Barton. He was living in Sydney, kind of guy around my age. 
So we uh, we used to meet each other like every couple of days and write songs, and that became like we meet each other four days a week, and we just write a couple of songs a day. And I Need You was one of them. And it wasn't until like, and now Phil lives in Nashville and he's written number one hits for like Lee Bryce and uh, he's written for Sarah Evans and Dustin Lee, just killing it, killing it over there. And then when I was home uh, for the 20th anniversary, 40th anniversary show, mom's like, Kieran, can you go into your old room and just throw all those crap boxes full of all the adult cassettes and all that kind of stuff. Oh, just get rid of everything. So I, I found this box of um, CDs of all the songs that Phil and I wrote and at that point, I hadn't released anything. I hadn't even thought about, you know, going back into music. So I was like, if I ever release anything, there's a few, there's a crackers on here. There's some good songs on here. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I Need You was one of them. So that, the song that was released yesterday was written 14 years ago. Okay. <laughs> Over 15 years ago. Um, and it still kind of, it still resonates today and I still love it. Uh, and I'm really excited that it's finally out there after been so long, been hidden in the, in the cupboard. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. So you went back home and what you were looking through old cassettes and CDs and yeah. like vinyls. What's crazy about all that is uh, other than the CDs, because the CDs have never really left, Cassettes are starting to come back. They're as a I'm like a, buying them again. I'm buying them from eBay cassettes again. Like I, I had cassettes that I threw away. I'm buying again. I'm the yeah. well, And that's the crazy thing is like the cassettes that you're buying is the stuff is just leftover stock that they stopped producing back in um I don't know, probably early two thousands, somewhere yeah. in there. And it's like you're not buying anything that's freshly produced. So you don't even know if what you're buying is going to work because exactly. it's been sitting around for 15 years. And do you know what I'm also, I'm also getting into my VHSs as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I love, you know, on a Saturday night, if I'm not doing anything, whacking on an old horror VHS and watching the lines flicker and yeah, yeah I just, yeah, I love that. It's yeah. I'm a nostalgia kid through and through. So. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, it, yeah. it, it's just so funny. Cause it's like, I, I first learned that cassettes were making a comeback through the uh, like the punk scene, the because that's what they were doing is they'd get like one and then the, it's easy for them to duplicate the cassettes on their own. And so that's what they're kind of doing. And it's like, yeah, but with how expensive blank cassettes are, it's almost cheaper and easier just to do CDs. Yeah. And boom, you're good. Unless you want to be edgy or whatever. And it's like... A lot of pop stars are, you know, releasing stuff now on cassettes. And I think what Kylie Minogue, who uh, is an Australian, and that she's mm -hmm. released, um, I think her last couple of albums, she's released on cassette and they've just been selling out. People are just buying them, maybe just for the coffee table. They yeah. probably don't have cassette players. It's probably just have a cool coffee table effect. That they can just have it on display. Oh yeah, that's a cassette. Like, yeah, it's, it's so, it's interesting. It's an interesting time. So I wonder if they're going to bring back mini discs. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't I've never was really into the mini disc like yeah, I remember one time I my dad had signed up for something and we got a free like computer game and it came on a mini disc and I had no idea what to do with it <laughs> so yeah, yeah no. mini disc passed me by as well yeah yeah <laughs> but oh uh, so no that's cool so this is this isn't your first single you've released no, this is my second or since your comeback, right? You've yeah, I've released one in May uh, called "The Reason," mm -hmm. uh, and that was interesting as well because um, I'm still very good friends with a lot of um, artists who I met in my country music days in the first 
part one of my career in, in, in the early 2000s. And one of those people was uh, an amazing singer and songwriter called Tamara Stewart, who now lives in the US uh, in, in Nashville. And she was over uh, doing a tour of her album, the, Mu the Truth, The Music and Me. And she had a few days off and she came to stay with me in my house. And um, we, you know, cracked open a bottle of wine. And I told her this story that my auntie told me when I was home uh, back in Australia for that short stint for the Star Maker anniversary. And my auntie told me that my great grandparents who were from Aberfeldy in Scotland, mm -hmm. flipped a coin, heads was Australia or tails is Canada. So thankfully heads won, otherwise I wouldn't be a kind of thing. So I told her this story and um, and I, I was sort of saying, you know, I'm thankful that I inherited that adventurous spirit from my ancestors kind of thing. For me as a 26 year old, moving to England, not knowing anyone and kind of starting a new life in that kind of aspect. So I kind of feel like I wanted, I inherited that and I was proud of that. So we ended up writing this song called The Reason, which is basically like my autobiography in song thus far. And um, I, you know, we wrote it in like 40 minutes. I had, I think by that time, a bottle of wine. So I was kind of merry and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't think anything of it. And then um, she went back to Nashville and she went to record her another project. And she had all the musicians there, all the amazing Nashville session musicians. And I just sort of said to her on text, I was like, if I just send you some cash, can you just lay down the reason with all the musicians that you've got there? And she's like, yeah, sure, no problems. Mm -hmm. So it was recorded in Nashville. I, then I did the vocals over here in the UK. Yeah. And um, it worked beautifully and I released it. It sounded great. And I was like, let's just throw it out there. I'll throw it to the wall and see if it sticks kind of thing. Because uh, it had been 18 years at that time since my first Star Maker singles. And then the reason. So I was like, you know what, let's just put it out there. If, you know, if no one hears it, fine. Just as long as my mum can hear it on, on Alexa in Australia. Yeah, absolutely fine. So yeah, when we put it out, it and I was just astounded. It like went to number two here in the UK. It went to I think top twenty in Australia. Oh wow! Uh, it, it was I was like, I'm like, Whoa. and everyone's going, "Hugh, what are you going to do next?" I'm like, I have no idea. And um, that's where I was like, okay, think back. What songs can I do? What? And that, that's when the I Need You yeah. uh, clicked into my head, and I called Phil up in Nashville. I was like, dude, do you remember that song we wrote? All I Need You. He's like, oh my god, yeah. I said, I think I might release it as the second one. He's going, do it, do it, do it. So I've kind of, he's been helping me produce it from, from Nashville. I'll be, send, I'll be doing all the kind of stuff over here and sending it over to him over there. It's like, oh, I do this, this, this. So it's the first, you know, I'm so proud of it, but um, I'm just, yeah, so thankful it's out. I'm excited. And, you know, yesterday was so cool. It like topped eight, number eight here in the UK uh, mm -hmm. yesterday. So yeah. And everyone's sending me really amazing messages around about it. And I, did my first video for it uh, for I Need You. So yeah. yeah, we were gonna we're gonna get into the music video because I have a I have an interesting perspective on it. Like because that's what I do. Like that that's my I don't make music videos as much, but I do like video production. Kind of like you, I work in the marketing realm. I work for a TV station and make like commercials and stuff okay. like that. So, um, so let's go ahead and jump into the music video for I Need You. It, it's really cool video i'm always a fan of black and white videos just because it's so different than mm -hmm. than a lot of other music videos um did you shoot that on like real film or did you shoot it on a digital camera it looked like it had a texture of a real film camera that's what that's what we wanted um i the director um 
he's produced this thing. The reason why I got in touch with these guys is I saw a short film of theirs called My Other Suit is Human. Mm -hmm. And it's now doing the festival um, circuit in the US and over here. And it's, it's going to win so many awards and has won so many awards. It's just phenomenal. And I reached out because I wanted something a little bit different for this song. You, you, and, and I only had, I sort of said, I want it to look classic. Mm -hmm. And then we started chatting and he was like, I said, I definitely want a black and white. Cause I think that like you said, black and white things are quite cool. Yeah. But then he started talking about more kind of cold war era, black and white films and yeah. the grainness and yep. all that stuff. And I'm like, this sounds amazing. And I said, I've only got one caveat is that I really don't want to be in it. And so I, we, we did a, he's like, you have to, it's your music video. So uh, we did a compromise. I play a security guard at the very, very beginning. Okay. So I'm the person that kind of locks up the place and then sort of everything comes to life okay. in that kind of aspect. But um, yeah, I, I'm really, and I kind of wanted it to look like a short film and not kind of a, a music video, hence why it's nearly like six minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, I'm, yeah, I'm, and it's, it's been, every time I see it, I'm just so proud of it. And yeah. the, the team did an amazing job and it was a big crew. Uh, we shot it on a very cold and wet day. Oh. Um, How long ago did you uh, shoot it? That was probably about a month ago. Okay. Yeah, we did a month ago and that took a couple of weeks to get, you know, edited and the, the grading was a very important part of the process. So that took mm -hmm. nearly a week to do to, to get that kind of look um, in it. And the dancers were, were, were incredible. The guy in it is my actual, my PT teacher. <laughs> the personal trainer. I was like, dude, just come and be in my video. I'm like, the makeup artist is a mate of mine. Like, Come on, I'm just like, let's do some favors here. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, it's yeah, pretty amazing. Uh, you know, on the independent scene, that's kind of what it is. Is like you've got to make sure you have a bunch of favors in your pocket so that when you cash them in, it's like, okay, cool. You know, and so you can cash them in. I, I'm not a stranger to that. I've done that several times where it's like, hey, you remember that film that you made me work for three weeks straight on 18 hours a day? I need to borrow you for like two days. Come on, you owe me. A yeah, break. exactly. I mean, you know, with those guys, I'll do anything for them because, you know, it was a very, very long day. We shot it all in one day and, you know, I'm, I'm forever indebted uh, to the whole cast and crew for that. It, yeah, it's, it's so exciting. And yeah, like I said, like, I'm not even on the cover art of the single. I didn't want to be on the cover art. I didn't want to be in the video because even though it's my song and I kind of, I wanted to have a universal appeal. I didn't want to be... I'm proud of it, but I didn't want to have my face to it, if that makes sense. I want people to own it in a way that it's theirs and not me. I want to be the, the vocal vehicle for it, but not any kind of visual uh, representation of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, just kind of watching through it, it, it was really interesting. Like, I, I think I kind of missed the reveal, not, not to give away the entire video for people that haven't seen it yet, but that kind of reveal where you see what's actually going on between the two characters, I kind of missed it originally. And then I saw like the, uh, um, towards the end or not towards the end, but I, like, I don't want to give the video away, but like I missed <laughs> the reveal. And then I, I see the two of them and I'm like, wait, what just happened? What did I miss? And I went back and kind of tried to scrub through and I was like, oh wait, you've been telling me through the entire video what's going on. And I just happened to miss that one little quick transition at, yeah. So it was very- yeah, I'm really proud of it. It, it, it was very, it was different on the day. We had a different kind of storyboard when we filmed it on the day. But um, 
in the in the editing process, we were just like, maybe let's move this a little bit forward and and move this, and it's and it told a much different story, and I really I liked it. It was um, yeah, the team were just incredible. I'm I'm in love with it actually. I'm very very excited. It's the first kind of I did a clip for one of my um, songs in 2002, mm-hmm. but you know this one pales in comparison to this one, and I you know as an independent artist, you get much more control um, on direction and everything. So it, it's kind of yeah, my baby. And then you also did like a lyric video or something for the reason, right? So yes, yeah. Um, what was that? Obviously, it was a lyric video, so it wasn't as like production heavy. But um, was that something that you wanted or were thinking about originally for "I Need You," or did you know right off the bat that this one you wanted to do like a proper music video for? I knew right off the bat that this is going, is going to be a little bit different. For for the reason being my first kind of outing uh, from so long, you know, I, I still wanted a visual representation of the song, and uh, I contacted a mate of mine again, <laughs> uh, and I was like, "Can you can you crack this video out for me?" And she's an incredibly talented video uh, sort of. She does lots of corporate videos for, for companies mm-hmm. and she's an incredible visual kind of artist as well in her own right. So I contacted her and uh, she, I just sent her loads of photos of me perform like videos of me performing me as a kid. Cause as I said, the reason was more of an autobiographical song. So having my kind of life on, on, on that video in amongst the lyrics um, really worked and I was, I was very happy with it. But yeah, for the, for I need you, it, it needed a, a more, uh, more kind of cinematic uh, retelling of, of the song. Gotcha. And uh, so the idea for the video, is that 100% your idea or did you kind of turn to some of your friends and say, like uh, how, how much input and how much creative impact did you have on the video? I've always been a huge, like one of my favorite films of all time is Mannequin from the mm-hmm. 80s. Yeah. And I kind of wanted that um, vibe on it. Uh, and... I, I kind of wanted some, I wanted the coming to life element of it. And originally a mate of mine and I were talking about maybe statues sort of coming to life and sort of in a way, but we ended up with the department store or clothing store element of it. But that was with conversation with the director. So it was basically the director and producer that were pretty much, I was, this came up with this initial kind of seed of a concept and they grew it into what it was, was what you guys see on screen. Um, and they're, they're the kind of true geniuses behind the, the video. Gotcha, gotcha. And then, so I Need You is out. It's doing really well. What's kind of the plan moving forward? Are you looking at doing like an EP, an LP, mm-hmm. or are you kind of like just doing singles? Like what's kind of the plan moving forward? Next, next in another three weeks, I've got uh, dance remixes of I Need You that is going to okay. drop. Okay. Uh, a DJ uh, called Argonaut who um, does an amazing kind of dance floor bangers has somehow through his genius created these absolutely amazing remixes for I Need You. Like, it, cause it's, it's a love song. It's a slow song. It's a song about yearning and missing someone and, and, and needing them. He's just, I don't know what he's done. He's just a magician. He's just transformed, transformed this, this ballad into like, hardcore handbag energy kind of thing it's yeah. incredible yeah. so um i think i'll release those uh in three weeks along with the radio edit of okay. i need you uh because it, as i need you is nearly a five minute song um as it stands yeah so for radio we had we cut out a minute and a half of it in order for radio stations to play it yeah. so i'll I'll, re- I'll release that version on streaming uh along with the two kind of dance remixes 
uh, in the next couple of weeks. And I would love to do an EP. I would so love to do an EP. I would love to head back to Nashville, work with some cool writers out there, obviously work with Phil again. And we've got some really cool songs in that little box of treasures that I yeah. found in my cupboard. As, as, you know, there's some kick-ass kick, kick songs there that, you know, I know are just screaming to see the light of day. So who knows? I mean, kind of need to win the lottery though, don't I? <laughs> well, and right now with everything kind of going on, you're not really going anywhere outside of the UK really. Like, I mean, I, I don't know what it's like traveling from like England or like Scotland or like inner, you know, in the within. Yeah, but It's a bit, yeah, we're, at the moment they've, they've just introduced this whole new tier system. So we're, we're currently in tier two, which means that we can't mix indoors with households. Uh, we can go outside and mix, but there's still a rule of six. So mm -hmm. you're only allowed outdoors with six people uh, in bubbles kind of thing. Yeah. But I think, like, I know Wales are looking at closing the borders. Uh, it, it's just such a strange time. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I probably won't be traveling Anyway, yeah. I'm thankful I work from home. Yeah. So all our offices and all that kind of stuff are closed. So it's just, yeah, very odd. Very, very and, odd. And it, what's even weirder is that it's been, like, I don't know about for you on your end, but on my end, I've been working from home for seven months. Like we just hit our seven month mark and it's like, and there's still like numbers are spiking. It's just like, all right, what's really going on here? Like yeah. this is crazy. So. I try not to watch the news because um, it's just so depressing. Yeah. It's just like I'd rather have, be so naive, still stay at home, avoid people like the plague, and I don't want to hear any death tolls. It's just so because it's so hard to keep positive in, yeah. in, in this than this time. And I think if, in order for me to emotionally and mentally survive, I just need to be positive. Otherwise, yeah, it's gonna be horrendous. Yeah. What's uh, been kind of, well, I mean, obviously this is kind of an obvious answer, but I'm going to ask it anyways. What's been keeping you motivated throughout the pandemic? Um, I've been actually quite busy, obviously with the single releases. I'm also writing a book, which I've always wanted to do and I've never had the time to do it. Uh, but then somehow, because I'm, I'm a contractor, I've picked up these three contracts. So I've kind of got three jobs doing, and then on top of releasing a single and also writing. So it's kind of been quite busy and that's kind of kept me motivated. Yeah. Um, yeah so I'm just, I would love, hopefully next year I, I want to travel again. I need to go back home because the folks are getting old and yeah. I want to, you know, it's, I'm kind of missing, I was supposed to come to England this year, but that didn't happen. And I was, I wanted to go home for Christmas uh, obviously this year as well, that's definitely not going to yeah. happen, but yeah. I just, yeah, it's, it's basically just keeping my mind busy uh, yeah. and, you know, having those goals. Um, you know, it's, it's, my, it's my 40th this year and, I, you know, I wanted to release the singles by the time I was 40. I wanted to have the book written by the time I was 40 or in my 40th year. So I'm, I'm setting myself these kind of tangible targets mm -hmm. uh, now to do, uh, which I think just keeps me motivated and keeps me going. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's always really what's really interesting right now is that you kind of relaunched your music career during a time that you can't do live shows. And yeah. so, you know, it is on that manner. Have you been doing like the virtual shows or been doing like live streams and stuff like that? Or you've just yeah. been, 
I have been doing a few, um, but I'm not the greatest player. I play guitar. I played, you know, CG, Dini, the country chords and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when I, when I do a live, I've done about six or seven uh, sort of Facebook lives for various songwriter, songwriter sessions and all that kind of stuff. I just feel more comfortable having someone accompany me with it. Like, mm-hmm. so I've got this amazing mate of mine who's a pianist who pops in every now and then and then plays uh, for, for my stuff. And yeah, but I haven't been doing that much. So... Um, when we are allowed to go out and have, when live music is allowed to happen here in the UK and when things slowly start getting back to normal, I kind of do want to get out there and, and you know, create, you know, more kind of live shows for myself out there. So it's something that I, I want to do maybe for, for next year. It's going to be a little bucket list thing. I was going to do a couple of live shows, maybe those goals. Yeah. And try and do, try and set up some sort of a tour or figure out what a tour would look like under a full-time yeah. working schedule. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when I got back um, after Australia and doing the Star Maker show, a mate of mine is like, why don't you just do a one show, one, a one night thing in London? I was like, okay, fine. So we booked out the Phoenix Theatre, which is in the West End, mm. and it ended up selling out. I was like, okay, then that was like, cool. So I might want to do something like that again um, and, and do, do something a little bit, yeah. Yeah, do kind of like, a little, yeah, like you said, a little bit of a tour, but it kind of feels like it's so far away at the moment. Um, but then again, I've got loads of time to plan for it, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Especially right now, you know? Yeah. Um, so you'd mentioned you're, you're saying really busy with work, music, all that fun stuff. What do you do for yourself to kind of escape? Like what, what are some of the hobbies you do just to kind of relax, reset, you know, yeah, I, like I said, I love films. I love movies. I used to love going to the cinema. Um, cinemas are still open here, but one chain's closed. Uh, and that was one I used to go to. So I, I, I need to get out and walk every day or do a bit of exercise just for my mental health kind of thing. Uh, I, and I love reading. So they're my kind of three things. Walking, cinema and reading is kind of what helps me. And, you know, now I'm a little bit older. I love going to bed early, 10 p.m. I'm like, I'm KO'd. I'm knocked out. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's not like any kind of wild thing. I have, you know, have a bottle of wine every now and then. Um, it's, so, yeah. it's so funny you say that because last night I've had, like, the craziest week of up till 2 a.m. and then have to be up at 8. So, like, minimal sleep. And then last night I'm like, all right, I'm done with work at a reasonable hour. I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> and so it, it's like 7 p.m or whatever and i was like oh wait i want to watch this show really quick that i missed and then before i know it it's 11 30 at night and i'm like dang it i didn't go to bed as early as i like because i was just like i i just wanted to like sleep and not have to work because usually when i do these earlier podcasts for me it's oh crap it's 8.15, I need to get up. I have a podcast in 15 minutes. And I wanted to be able to be up at like six and be like fully awake and, you know, just yeah. kind of been up for a minute. And then it was 11.15. And then luckily I just by chance woke up at like 7.30 anyways. And I'm like, all right, cool. Like I, like I got enough sleep regardless. But, you know, it was just like, even when I want to go to bed early, I can't. And also when I wake up, I'm up. I'm one of those people, as soon as I'm awake, I'm up. And which has been like, I've been doing loads of radio interviews in Australia uh, mm-hmm. for the singles. 
and you know they're at 1 a.m in the morning 2 45 yeah. in the morning so when i'm up for those because the time difference from england to australia i'm up for there for, for the rest of the day because i just can't go back to sleep yeah so that makes my whole working day <laughs> very yeah. tough it's like the cups of coffee you're like oh you know what's funny though is in doing this podcast and kind of working with people from australia and new zealand working with people from the uk it's so much harder to book the UK artists than it is for the Australian artists because they're about 15 hours. Uh, Australia is about 15 hours ahead of me, I think, yeah. depending on what time of year it is, like depending, you know. Um, and so that's fine because, okay, just cut or let's set it up for the day before on my end, if you want to like do something on the day your album releases or whatever, and then it'll be later for me. So it'll be 10, 11 o'clock, but it'll be early afternoon for them. And so it's really not that hard. Like the time difference just kind of lines up. But for the UK, the only time I can ever really do UK artists is in the morning. Otherwise, I have to work all day. And then by the time I get off of work, it's two in the morning in the UK. And it's just like, well, that's not going to work, you know? Yeah. So, and luckily during the pandemic, not a lot of people have been working. So it's like, okay, if you want to do an early morning one, we can't, you know? So, yeah. It, which is weird because the UK is only like six hours ahead of us. Whereas Australia is 15, 16, you know, whatever <laughs> it is. So, yeah. Um, no, that's cool. How, how obviously during the pandemic you haven't been going back that often. How often do you, do you go back to Australia to visit the folks? And I try to go every maybe two to three years. Um, maybe maybe every four years. It's just and they've come over a few times as well uh, to see me, maybe twice because uh, yeah, I've been over here for fourteen years. It'll be fifteen in May, March next year. Mm-hmm. But. Um, and- then when you go, are you there for an extended period of time? You're there for... Yeah, well, other than the last trip, it's normally been like two-week holidays because of work and, you know, uh, I had a full-time job back then and you could only take a certain time off. Uh, But when I left, when I went to do the Star Maker show, I took two months. Mm -hmm. So I left a a job and I took two months off. I went to Australia and then spent a month and a half in North Queensland and then up two weeks in Sydney and then flew back and then got other contract work after that. So oh, it was amazing. I, need, I needed that time, I think, just yeah. to recharge and to regroup. And it was, it was so good to do that at home. Yeah. I think I'm going to try and do something like that over the Christmas holiday um, because like you, I'm working from home and my parents are going to be down, down in South Florida for like six months. And I'm kind of like, well, I kind of want to come down. And so I'm going to just kind of like bring all my work stuff and just kind of yeah. set up station and just hang out for a few weeks. And we're, I'm just trying to figure out the logistics. Cause like, I mean, right now I do more computer work. Like it's all editing and stuff like that. I don't do a lot of like the actual physical shooting. So it's just kind of like, well, if I take three weeks in December and January and just go, is it really going to be that big of a deal? I mean, a lot of people also are like moving out of London and buying homes in the country and stuff because like, you know, it's, it's, they're, they're thinking this is, you know, it's going to be office work. It's going to be a thing of the past now. So everyone's kind of just 
you know, re relocating and stuff and, and taking time away out of the big city. So yeah, do it if you can. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So like, cause I know my parents were really mad at me when I moved out to Texas because I spent four years in New Mexico away, like far away. I, like during those four years, I saw my parents maybe four times, like just going on, going to Chicago or going to Florida for holiday break. And they were really mad at me when I left. And so then I moved, made a deal and I moved closer to them about, so instead of being 20 some odd hours away, I was like four hours away, you know, far enough that they couldn't just like randomly pop up and say, Hey, how you doing? Without like calling me. Um, <laughs> and so then I, I kind of left that job because I wasn't really going anywhere. And I was just like, all right, well, there's this job out in central Texas. They seem like they really are excited to have me there, you know, all that fun stuff. And my dad was pissed at me because he was going through uh, prostate cancer treatment at the time. And my mom was just like, you can't do it. You know, so they were really mad at me. And then once I kind of finally moved out there, they were like, oh, okay, now I get why you're here. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, you, you get it now. So I'm, I'm a lot easier to talk to. <laughs> so, but no, that's, that's really cool. Um, one thing that we like to do on the podcast and live and amplified in general is pass on knowledge to younger musicians and uh, try and like, if they're getting started in their music career, or if they're like ready to take that next step, we like to pass on as much advice as we advice as we can. So from your perspective, a career spanning 20 years, Pretty much, yeah, in intervals. <laughs> yeah, in intervals. Like you, you started in the early 2000s and then you're restarting now. Yeah. What's one piece of advice you know, or what's one thing that you know now that you wish you knew back when you first got started? I'm, I think the one word of advice would be you do, you do. So basically, go in know yourself know what what where you stand what you stand for and don't go changing for anyone like that i think that's the most important thing to be authentic and to come across as authentic as you can um don't let anyone bully you into trying to this this oh no that doesn't that's not right for this sound or this today's sound that you know you let, let's do it this way oh no your sounds you know too too pop or no it's not too it's not country enough and the, the, the stick to your guns and you do you and, and you'll be successful. Gotcha. And then from your perspective, since you have a career that started back before social media was kind of a thing, like I'm <laughs> sure like Friendster and Zanga, like they're, they're like the early platforms. Wait, 2000? Yeah, it was. I think that was MySpace and all that kind of stuff when I was there as well. Like, I mean, even now, I mean, yeah. I have no idea how to use Snapchat. I'm an old man. I'm like, I can just barely use Instagram kind of thing. Uh, how has uh, social media kind of changed the music business from your perspective? I see it as a positive okay. thing. I see it as a, I mean, God, if, you know, if I had social media was around when I had Star Make, it would have been amazing because, you know, I would have been able to reach out and, and it, it allows you to have access to a wider audience if you do it right. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you've, you've got the world at your fingertips. If you just need to access some of them, you know, have the great, amazing content. And, it, you know, it's, it's a very exciting time. And I think, you know, keeping up with these new trends and everything is, is vital for any kind of uh, musician. 
and you basically need to be very skilled. Uh, at, at, you know, you need to be digitally savvy mm-hmm. uh, as well as being a, a musician as well these days. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's one of those things where they, well, and I mean, to, to, to kind of push back at that, it, it's one of those things where I think as long as your message is authentic, they'll, yes. they'll forgive a lot of like the technical shortcomings or the, you know, like, oh, that, that photo isn't like 100% crisp that you just posted on, you know, it, it you know, what, like, whatever the thing is, they'll forgive it if you're being 100% authentic and not trying to be something that you're not. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, and yeah. I think that's ultimately what me, uh, fans and music, musicians connect over is that authenticity. So, yeah, I totally agree. But I don't want to keep you too much longer because it is Saturday afternoon, by, right? It's four o'clock? It's, but, nearly. It's going to be coming up to four o'clock. Yeah. Going to the movie tonight. So, yeah. Right. What are you going to see? St. Maud. It's a horror film. I've never heard of it. Oh, yeah. It's like a psychological horror. Uh, it's going to be right up my street anyway. I can't wait. <laughs> what's your, uh, since we're kind of in the season, what's your favorite horror film? Oh, okay. Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. Okay. The Dream Warriors. Yeah, that's probably one of my favorite ones. Okay. Uh, and then I love, you know, Halloween. I love the, the, the new Halloween as well, but the old classic Halloweens. Um, and also like the kind of the fun Charles play. Yeah. Well, I like, I've been on a children of the corn kick. <gasps> Question my judgment, not Malachi. Oh, what's yeah. that recently? He yeah. walks behind the row. I have it right here. It's like, ah. I, have, I have a stack of um, every Halloween. I pull every horror film that I have. And so like throughout the entire month of October, it's uh, um, just, Whenever I have a minute, I'd throw one of them in. And Children of the Corn is the next movie up on that stack. Incredible. Incred- Do you guys watch Hocus Pocus as well? Because that, that's yes. kind of a... Yeah, I'm going to watch that this year as well on VHS. I have it somewhere. I just don't know where it is. Like, it, it's got lost in transition when I was moving <laughs> from Tallahassee to uh, Texas. And... I remember packing it and I remember putting it away somewhere, but I don't know where it is. So I like, I have all these plastic Rubbermaid bins that like, just instead of getting moving boxes, I like using the Rubbermaid bins and it's in one of these empty Rubbermaid bins and I just got to find the movie. So but, well, you got a week, you got a week to do it, right? Cause it's yeah. be- when I was hoping that I could find it on uh, like, cause uh, I don't have cable. My dad, um, my dad and I split, um, uh, it's not YouTube TV, but it's something like YouTube TV. And I was hoping that I was going to be able to just find it streaming online somewhere and it's not popping up anywhere. And I'm like, it's Halloween. Uh, they'll be wanting you to buy it. I think it's even at the cinemas in the U S now, I think. So probably. Yeah. Probably. And that they need you to buy it. Yeah. You know, it's just one of those things where it's like the movie's been out so long that I've seen it so many times, but it's just like, it doesn't feel like Halloween unless I watch it. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. Even like when we don't really do Halloween over here, but I still watch it. Yeah. You know, it's just one of those things where it's like, I know Halloween's not going to be as big of a thing this year because of all the like current things going on. Like the, I listen to radio shows where they're talking about, are you taking your kids out? You know, all that fun stuff. So, 
I, I, I got to kind of watch the movies as I can, you know? Totally. But no, that's really cool. It, I, it's so funny that you brought that movie up because it's like that movie is from the 90s and it's like it, it's the peak 90s film. Oh, like, totally. Totally. So. It's, it's, it's a great watch. I mean, it didn't do well when it was first released, but now that it's got this cult kind of classic uh, legacy now, it's just it's brilliant. It's amazing. They were talking about at one point doing not a remake, but like a sequel to it. That would be amazing. I'd be, I'd be willing for that. Totally. You know, it, I would be too, but just waiting this long to see it, like, I can't see where it would be good. Not, I don't want to say good because, you know, I, I would just be concerned that it wouldn't be as good as the first. It would be like yeah. kind of kind of watching some of these remakes that aren't really remakes. They're just kind of continuations, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I sequels do have that kind of sort of stigma that they aren't as good as mm. the original. So one of my other favorite films is Grease 2. Okay. I love Grease 2 more than Grease 1. So um, I, I love a sequel, though. Okay. <laughs> I'm a sucker for gotcha. a sequel. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> no, that's... I, I can't say whether I like or hate Grease 2 because it's been a long time since I've watched it. It was just wasn't the original Grease, so I, exactly. like, I watched yeah, it once. It's got, the songs in Grease 2 are much they're superior than Grease 1. They're awesome. You've got Cool Rider, Reproduction. Oh, it's tunes. Okay. I will have oh. to watch because I saw it was on uh, not Netflix, but it was on it was on one of the uh, movie platforms that I watch, and so I'll, I'll have to go and give it a chance yes, check it out check it out awesome but once again thank you so much for joining us where could everybody find you online where can they find your music you know all that fun stuff yeah so uh, music's on all the streaming platforms your apple your deezers your spotify it's just kieran lancini and on instagram and facebook so facebook's kieran lancini music and Instagram's at Kieran Lancini. So yeah, and Twitter as well. That's, yeah, just pop along, say hi. But Tom, thank you so much. I've had a great time. And yeah, thanks for the chat. Where, where are you most active on social media? Are you all more free? All three? I'm all free, yeah, yeah. Um, pretty much check them all the time all throughout the day. So yeah. Okay, awesome. But once again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you everybody for tuning in and we'll catch you guys later. Awesome, go watch Grease too. Thanks. <laughs> Mm-hmm.